I think this is a great Sunday to take stock and make an honest assessment of where we are at this moment in our life. And that reminds me of a story. That reminds me of a story about a neighborhood barbecue that happened. And at the neighborhood barbecue, the father said to the young kid who was about 10 years old, I want you to pray over the food. And the young kid said, I don't know how to pray over the food, Dad. And the dad said, well, just be honest when you pray. That's how we pray, honest. So the little boy starts praying. And, and of course, everyone's listening as this little kid prays. He says, Jesus, I just pray that all these people who are eating our food, watching our TV set, taking up my space, eat and leave fast and never come back. <laughs> you know, it takes courage to be honest, doesn't it? It takes courage to look at where we are and look at our dreams and examine ourselves. And as we think about that, I'm reminded by what Shakespeare said, because Shakespeare should be quoted, don't you think? Where he said, there is no legacy as, as rich as honesty. And I believe that one of the greatest legacies that we can live our life in is to have an honest assessment of ourselves. And that's why I wanted to look at this scripture as I start today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Those are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit, the spirit that searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, when I used to read this verse, I used to read it thinking of heaven, that God's prepared something for me later on in heaven, but... That's actually not what the Apostle Paul here is talking about and writing about. God's talking about God has prepared things for you in this next season of your life on the earth. Amen. It's not just in heaven. It's not just about, oh, what happens later on. No, it's like, no, God is prepared. Not he's preparing. He's preparing for us mansions in heaven. But he has prepared for us great things that can happen over these next few months of our life. Who can believe that today? Now, it's in that context I'm going to speak into to help us understand, not just, you know, to get to the sweet bye-bye in heaven one day, but how we deal with life right now. 2019, September the 1st, how we deal with where we are today. And if you're joining us online or if you're visiting today for the first time, I hope you get something out of today. Because this is the, the title of the message. You have more than you think you have. You have more than you think you have. Something about human nature, we focus on what we don't have. We focus on where we're not. <laughs> we focus on what we'd like to have, but we don't have it yet. And it's in this culture, people get into all kinds of challenges. And this is not just about finances or buying things. This is just about comparing yourself in a way that's unhealthy for you. If we stop comparing ourselves to each other and we understand that we are just simply here to please God. Amen. We are just simply here right now to make a difference. When we think about that, that means our comparisons stop. We have more than we think you have. I want to speak to teenagers in the house right now as you prepare for your next school year. You have more than you think you have. To any parent right now who is thinking, oh my goodness me, this parenting stuff is hard work. I joined the club on that one. 
I mean, there are so many days in my life, in my parenting, I am literally, God help me get through this thing called parenting. Can anybody relate to that? Well, the truth is we have more than we think we have parents. The truth is when we face some of the challenges that we don't even know about, we have more than we think you have because we have a relationship with God. And, and as I say this, I know often when you have more than you think you have get said, we think about our potential. I'm not talking about potential. Because when we think about our potential, that's what we could do. Today, I wanna focus on what God has done for us. In other words, we're not talking about potential, what we have to achieve. I wanna focus on what the Lord has already achieved for us that we need to dig deep and discover again. Dig deep and let it, let it revel in our minds and fill our minds with this. And that's why I wanted us to turn to 2 Kings chapter four. And I'm gonna read these few verses. I'm gonna to read today from the New King James Version. But for those of us who have New International Version, it'll come up behind us on the screen. This is a familiar passage. We've looked at this already this year, but I wanna draw something fresh out of this passage today. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing except a little oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And the son said, there is not another vessel and the oil has ceased. And then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons shall live on the rest. Now that's an incredible scripture. What does that mean to us today? It means that we have to ask ourselves two questions. The first question is this, how can God help you? How can God help you? The second question is, what do you have on the shelf in your house? Two simple questions. This is where we need to get really real and honest before the Lord. What do we have in our house, and how can you help me, Lord? And if, you, and if you're not too sure, ask the person next to you or ask somebody close to you, where do you think I need help? And in Yorkshire, somebody's gonna help you understand that quick. <laughs> I remember asking my mom that question. Mom, where do you think I need help in my life? She said, Steve, where do I start? <laughs> you know, and, and she began to talk to me. Remember, I still remember the conversation. She said, well, Steve, look at it this way. Thank God you're not, you're not where you were last year. That's a good perspective. She always tried to look on the positive. Thank God you're not, thank God we are not as a church. Thank God we as a family are not where we were last year. Now you may not be where you want to be, and that's okay, I get that. But we've got to understand that progress is being made. And when we think about that prophet, and we think about that conversation with that woman, the death had happened, 
she had lost a relationship, and it's out of that loss of relationship, she is trying to recenter, and she was overlooking the relationships that she already had. And so I want to give you three points to help this sink in today, and the first one is this. Take to heart what God has given. Take to heart what God has given. God has given you more than you think. God has given us his word. His word is so powerful. Why do we read the word? We read the word so that we would know God more. Not just that we would fill our mind with intellectual facts or reasons, but we read his word so that we would know him more. God has given us his son, Jesus. Why has he given us his son, Jesus? So that we could understand how loved we are by God, our heavenly father. God has given us his Holy Spirit. Why is that? So that we could experience freedom right now and in these next few months. Those are the things that we have to then take to heart what God has given us. So in other words, what's in God's heart, we have to get inside of our thinking. What God has prepared for us is what we have to meditate and reflect on so we can get that. And here's a woman who's literally at the loss of a relationship And I find it so fascinating that she lost a relationship with her husband, but because her husband served the Lord, she was in a wider context and a wider relationship with the family of God. And out of that relationship came the miracle. And even though she said, I don't have anything, I have nothing, what she was overlooking was that was so, so vital, what was greater than the little bit of oil that she had in her cupboard was the relationship that she had with Almighty God. You see, the real story of this Second Kings that I wanted to draw out of today is not the miracle of the empty vessels, but the miracle of a relationship with the living God. It was out of the relationship she had with the prophet Elijah that she didn't really know that well, but it's out of that wider relationship, her miracle came. Do you know you can be planted in a local church and be raising children and your miracle can come through a youth pastor or through a kid's church pastor? You could be in a marriage relationship and your miracle might come through somebody who's been married a bit longer than you who's praying for you and standing with you and trying to help you through a season of life. You could be single right now, but your miracle could be coming through a family or through friendships. Your miracle will come through relationships. The greatest story of this passage I wanted to focus on is that there is a miracle that God has for us, but the miracle is not a thing. The miracle isn't something we ride or buy or live in. The miracle is the relationship with God, our heavenly father that we have access, that we have that sense of whatever that we need, we can approach God again and say, God, help me understand this. First Timothy chapter one, verse 15 says this. It says, there's a word that you can take to heart. Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm proof, problem number one, of someone who would have never made it apart for sheer mercy. Can anybody relate to that? Sheer mercy. And now he throws me, he shows me off. I love that. God wants to show you off. Get that into your mind. You know, I just uh, had a day, one day recently where, I don't know if you've seen this, but I was, I was hanging out at, at a swimming pool, and this is, 
This is how it works at a swimming pool. When a little child wants to run and jump in, <laughs> they wanted to run and jump in, they want everyone to see them jump in the water, right? And I was watching this because this little child who was about seven or eight was taking a swimming lesson in the pool. And this swimming lesson from the swimming coach, the swimming coach was saying, I want you to dive for these little rings. Now the swimming teacher would throw the rings in and the little girl would say, I don't wanna dive for the rings. And the swimming coach said, well, you have to dive for the rings. And I'm watching this standoff between the swimming coach and the little girl. And the little girl had that swimming coach wrapped around her finger. So much so that while he was saying, can you come and get the rings, the little girl just swam right up to him and slapped his old bald head, true story, and rubbed it and scrubbed it. And I'm looking at this relationship develop. She didn't do a thing that that swimming teacher asked her to do. But she spent the whole time just enjoying the relationship, splashing around and having fun. And at the end of all that, she ran over to the swimming teacher and said, okay, now I'm ready, for, I'm ready to dive for the rings. And I'm like, how in the world did that ever happen? Because the swimming teacher just enjoyed time with her, just had fun with her, let her mess about with her, and then suddenly, at the end, right at the last five minutes, she actually did what the swimming teacher wanted him to do all along. And when I think about that, I think of God. I think we try so hard to please God, and he's already pleased with us. We try so hard to do, jump through hoops or go and get the ring or do this and do that and a performance mentality, and God is just saying, no, you don't have to do anything. I just want to show you off for who you are. He looks at you and says, she's my daughter. Look at her, all of heaven. Look, look at how great she is. He's my son. Look, look at, I believe God thinks about us like that. Why? Because no mind has conceived. No ear has heard, no eye has seen. He loves you so much. He has plans for you over these next few months. But you have to get that plan that God loves you into your mind and stop thinking he's trying to force you to do something, trying to make you do something. No, your God loves you. He wants so much from you. He wants so much for you, but it all comes after the fact that you settle that and you begin to get it into your mind and you let it sit and saturate your thinking. And this was the challenge that this widow had. The widow's challenge was that she had to let the words of the relationship sink in. Okay, God still loves me. My husband's not here, but God still loves me. I still have a plan. I still, I must do this. I, I still have to take this. And so when she says, I don't have anything, I have nothing. I really think that that relationship that she had, the words that she received that came next, go into your house and search your house and find out. And she comes back and she says, I've just got a little oil. What does the prophet say? He says, go to your neighborhood. Here we see the miracle of relationship operating. She has to go to her neighborhood and she has to ask others for help. Now, this is her neighborhood. He wasn't sending her away to the ends of the earth. He's like, no, just go down the street and ask for as many vessels as you can. And in that moment, she probably had to overcome her shame. She had to overcome the fact that now she had to ask for help. But when she did that, she was receiving so much more than she gave away. She was receiving something that was incredible, but she first had to knock on a door and say, can you give me? And she had to ask for help. I've learned that people are not very good at asking for help. 
Like we wait to the last minute to ask for help, and then finally we, we ask, and then, it, and then it comes. And it's like, if we can get better at asking for help, I believe that God will send it. We're just about ready to start our small group series as a church. We want to do that because we want to equip more leaders. We want to help you achieve what God is calling you to do. We have a team night coming up on the 17th of September for everybody in our house who wants to lead. And we think that everybody is a leader. We really feel that way, that everybody has influence. That's what leadership is. And as we stop and think about and assess where we are now at 2019 and where we are today, I look back over this last uh, nine months here at Life Church, and I want to praise God for this because I want to get into mind what God is doing in our house and remind myself that we've had 92 salvations on the Bradford campus since the beginning of the year. 111 people finished growth track, and we have 640 people in small groups. Come on, that's worth a round of applause. That's good. That's really good. We have more than we think we have. You're going to be in a place in a house like this, oh, it's just another Sunday. No, we are seeing God do the miraculous every week. And it's so easy to overlook that. You can just show up and you can look in your house and you can overlook the little oil in your cupboard. You can overlook the little oil in the person and your neighbor next to you. You can just think, oh, it doesn't amount much. It's just a little oil. I wish I had more. And it's like, no, God is helping us understand if we can just be grateful for the little oil, that's enough for God to use it to create a miracle for our future. So the second point is this, what God has in his heart for you is worth getting your head into. I'm staying on this. What, what God has in his heart for you is worth getting your head into. What about taking some time and praying and thanking God over these next few days about how much God has already done in your life? If you're 15, thank God for your 15 years. If you're 35, if you're 55, if you're 105, and I don't think anyone in here is, we can thank God for what he's doing in our life. And that's what this woman began to do. She began to understand, God, you're about to do something incredible in my life. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think about yourself, that you are a loved son, a loved daughter of God, you are positioning yourself for breakthrough in these next few months ahead. Or if you think of yourself as somebody who's despised by God or far from God, and you think of yourself as somebody who can't please God, then your mindset shift will actually become the barrier blocking you from receiving more from God. And so that's why I'm saying the wrestle of believing is so important in our life. Not believing for other people out there, but believing that God wants to love me more. God wants to help me more in these next few weeks and months ahead. God wants me to do more. You know, I've learned that every athlete has a coach. Every musician has music teachers. Every student has a teacher. Why? So that we can get into our mind what's in someone else's mind. So there'll be a transference from one person to another, and it's just like that with God. And in the Word, we have to transform ourselves. You know, the Apostle Paul that we read about, he talked about transformation more than any other single topic in the Bible. He focused on it. It's the, it's the key part of his ministry. He wanted people to be transformed, their mind to be renewed. And it's out of that mindset we see a woman who didn't have very much 
become a millionaire in her day. Why? Because she discovered the miracle of relationship and she believed that God could meet her in her hour of need and give her instruction to move forward. And so she did. And my third point is this, because time's going. I need to stay on track. Pour your little into your hands and put it into use. Whatever little bit that you have, your little bit of talent, your little bit of whatever it is, if you've got the gift of encouragement, use your gift of encouragement. If you've got the gift of finances, use your gift of finances. If you've got the gift of fathering or mothering, use your gift for your own children and for your neighborhood and for your whole community. Why? Because if we can take what we have, that little oil, and use it, God will help us in this next few months to do so much more than we could ever imagine. So I've got some questions to ask ourselves. And these are questions that I've been asking myself over, the, over these last few weeks. What, what defined you most over these past six months? What's the single experience? Was there a single event that defined you most over the last six months of your life? Where did you best succeed? Where did you fail? How do you treat yourself when it comes to your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health? What have you done to care for yourself this year? What do you need to start and what do you need to finish? What do you need to stop doing? I mean, all these kinds of questions are great to ask yourself this on a regular basis, but particularly today, particularly as we head into this next season of our life, because it's going to be busy. It's going to be more productive. There's going to be a lot more activities. And I've learned to pause and look back and think about and pray about what I believe is so important. Rather than go from busyness to busyness to create some space where you can do an honest, sober assessment of your life and where you are, and that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit will search the deep things in your heart if you ask the Holy Spirit for help. If you ask the Holy Spirit and create an environment to do that, he will help you. And I mean, even today, I've had such a great morning uh, just with God even today, and I have the same thing. Some of you are gonna laugh at me, but I do this. I, 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 I light a candle. Any candle lighters in here? I like to create a space, an atmosphere. I, I light a candle. I play piano a little bit. I get some worship music going. I read the Bible, and today, oh, I shouldn't say this, but I actually didn't want to come to church because I was having such a great time with God. I thought I better go because I'm going to be late to church. And, and then I got here because I'm reading through the Bible in, in a year. And today we're on like well, well over day 200 now and doing that with some of the guys. Why? Because I'm, I want to feed my life and get into my mind what's already in God's mind for me. But it's not enough to just let it stop there in my mind. Now I have to take the little bit that God has given me and I have to look to see how I can give that out to someone else. And I'm just going to be honest, you know, when you pastor, you can look on Instagram and you can see people's churches that are like 10 times bigger than yours. And you can think, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, wow, uh, be discouraged about where we are. <laughs> you know, and you can look at people and say, well, wow, I wish I was further on. And I'm like, why do we do that? That's part of human nature. We, we, we compare and we contrast and when we're doing that, we're missing what God has prepared for us. That's why I, over this summer, I've taken kind of a social media fast. Anybody do that from time to time? Why? So that you can just come off the noise. You can come out of the confusion and just recenter your life in God. 
And as I've done that, I'm reminded how God speaks over each one of us and says, come on, you're doing great, son. Come on, you're doing great, daughter. Why are you so hard on yourself? Why, why are you judging yourself? And, and it's out of those honest conversations with the Spirit of God, he'll actually give you a framework to move forward in. And I'm believing, I'm really believing as we approach some of this, these next few weeks, that God is gonna help us prior to our all-in series that we're gonna start next week to create space. So I wanna give you some homework, church. Turn to the person next to you and say, here it comes. Here it comes. Before next Sunday, take stock of where you are today. That's your homework. Taking stock, what's in God's heart for you, what's in your head, and what's in your hand. Take stock, what's in God's heart, what do you need to put into your mind, and what do you need to put into your hand. That's it, that's really simple. And if you can focus on that, think about God, what do you wanna put into my hand, what do you want me to use? I'm praying that when we hit our all-in series next week, and we're gonna stay there for the rest of the month, that we're gonna create this environment where all of us, our entire church, are gonna be ready to be used by God. And it's out of that mindset, out of our relationship with God, that I know that miracles will not just come to you, but will flow through you to be used by God to help others. Miracles will, will happen in your life that are so deep and so personal to you that you won't even want to tell other people because of who God is and what he wants to do in you and through you. So we want to focus on this from his mind straight into our heart so that we can all be used by God together. Can you say amen to that?